the Pew Bible. As with last week's psalm, it bears the same title, a song of ascents. And we read there God's word. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The Word of our God, may He bless it in our hearing this afternoon. We're going to prepare for the Word proclaimed by singing of this same Psalm 121, all the stanzas as you find them in the book of praise. I invite you to keep your Bible open to the 121st uh, Psalm uh, this afternoon as we give our attention to that portion of God's holy word. Beloved in the Lord, when I was here last uh, Sunday afternoon, we looked at the 120th Psalm and we saw from that Psalm that the journey of the Christian as well as the journey of the church uh, begins far from home. Uh, the psalmist in that Psalm references uh, his uh, sojourning, his dwelling in Meshech, and he says, I live among the tents of Kedar. And I mentioned last Lord's Day that these two places are far from each other, therefore he's not actually living in those places, but they express metaphorically uh, the distance he feels from home, home for him uh, being Jerusalem. And so uh, last time the journey begins far from home. It's no surprise then that when we turn to the next song of ascents, uh, we find a song in which the psalmist reflects on that long journey home. Uh, this psalm's a favorite psalm among many Christians. Maybe for you it's one of uh, your favorites. I know I've been asked to read it uh, for weddings and for funerals, uh, for uh, birthday parties, and for family trips. Uh, psalm 121 has a special place among the hearts of God's people. And as such, the opening words of the psalm are very well known. I lift up my eyes to the hills. I have a question for you. What hills? We have these familiar words. I lift up my eyes to the hills. But do you ever ponder what hills the psalmist is lifting up his eyes to? And I ask if you ever ponder this because, frankly, the question has stumped believers and explainers and scholars uh, for thousands of years. Unto the hills I lift my eyes. What hills? Does the psalmist lift up his eyes to the hills upon which Jerusalem sits? Does he lift up his eyes to Mount Zion, the city of the living God? Does he lift up his eyes to the hills that stand between him and Jerusalem, his home? When you say, I lift up my eyes to the hills, what are you saying? Are you saying that in the far distance you can see home? 
Or are you saying that as you lift up your eyes, you see the things that stand between you and home? There was a time where I thought it was really important to answer the question definitively. I would have spent 10 minutes in a sermon establishing which answer is the right answer. I've discovered after all of these years that sometimes it just doesn't matter a whole lot. I don't think the answer matters a whole lot. If I had to guess, I would guess that the psalmist sees the hills that stand between him and home. The only reason I guess that is because after he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, he asks that question, where does my help come from? Why does he ask the question after mentioning the hills? It seems that something about the hills has him thinking about his need for help. That something about the hills has him thinking about how am I going to make this long journey home by myself? I can't make it by myself. I need help. You see, uh, the psalmist is like Adam alone in the garden, given a task by God that he cannot fulfill on his own. And the Scripture tells us he needs a helper fit for him. As you consider your own journey towards home as a Christian, I hope you recognize that you are unable to make that journey on your own. Whether you read the psalm and the hills represent home and the longing for home, or whether you read the psalm and the hills represent the things that stand between you and home, one thing I know for certain, I don't have to guess about, is that you need help to get home. So who will be the helper who's fit for you? And the psalmist says, it is the Lord. My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. And so this afternoon I proclaim God's word to you as you might see it in your liturgy sheet. The Lord is your help for the journey home. His protection is needed. His protection is certain. His protection is complete. The Lord is your help for the journey home and His protection is needed. Uh, you can see from my repetition of the word protection that the help that is referenced in the opening part of the psalm is a specific kind of help for the journey home. It's the help that is marked by protection. If you look in Psalm 121, you won't find the word protect, but you'll find a very similar word, and it's the word watches. Verse 3, he watches over you. Verse 4, he watches over Israel. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you. Same word actually as watch. Not sure why they didn't go watch there. And then he will watch over your life and then the Lord will watch over your coming and going. You got six verses, you know, verses 3 through 8, and you've got six times this a word, watch. It's a word that speaks to the Lord, 
not just standing back and having a look, but the Lord actively watching so as to protect you and to preserve you as you're making your long journey home. And as I've stated in this first point, you need His protection. Whatever those hills represent, as I said a moment ago, you need His protection. And again, the reason I think the hills represent those things uh, that stand between you and home, those things that you might need protection from, is how the rest of the psalm unfolds with the psalmist talking about the challenges and the difficulties that are present in the long journey home. There are rough roads through the hills that might cause the psalmist to stumble and fall and be unable to get up and complete his journey. And so you have this imagery in verse 3 of the foot slipping. There is the scorching heat of the sun by day and the dangerous light of the moon by night. That if either would strike the psalmist, he would either be delirious from the scorching heat or he would be psychotic from the dangerous light. Either way, he would lose his way. Then there's all manner of harm, other harm. Verse 7, Lord will keep you from all harm. There's harm in the hills. There's the harm of wild beasts that can attack the traveler along their route. Uh, There's the harm of wicked people who would attack the traveler upon their route. You might recall the story, the parable that Jesus tells of the man who goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho and midway through his journey, robbers fall upon him and strip him and beat him and leave him half dead on the side of the road. On the long journey home, the psalmist in this psalm reflects on any number of dangers that present themselves to him. And it is in light of these dangers that he asks the question, where does my help come from? Now, even as the journey is a metaphor for the life of the follower of Jesus, so those things the psalmist mentions are metaphors for the things, the evil things that you must face on your journey the things which the evil one would use in an attempt to prevent you from making it safely home to the new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven to earth. So what are those things that might harm you spiritually? What are those things that the evil one would use and does use in his attempts to keep you from making it safely home. As I thought about that this uh, past week, my mind turned to the end of Romans chapter 8. And Paul has this significant list of things that potentially 
would separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which is to say, in another way, what the psalmist is saying, these things that would potentially keep you from arriving safely at home, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Now maybe some of those things are relatable to you and others are not. There are things that you have experienced, maybe things that you are experiencing or will yet experience that underline for you just how difficult the journey is. A sickness, a death, a broken relationship, an experience of abuse, a particular sin, shame. Evil, way, evil has a way of taking all of these things and more and using them to keep you from safely making it home. And then to borrow a line from our catechism, in and of ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. As I said a few moments ago, as you consider your journey towards home, I hope you recognize that you are unable to make the journey on your own. You need help. You need a helper. You need the Lord. His protection is needed also by you. And as we turn back to the psalm, not only do we notice that his protection is needed, we notice that his protection is certain. Now, before I go further on this point that the Lord's protection is certain, I want to make something clear about the certainty of the Lord's protection. What this psalm teaches you, as it emphatically says, the Lord will do this, the Lord will do this, the Lord will do this. What this psalm teaches you is that you can trust the Lord so as to have no doubt that He will lead you home, that you will make it home with His help. What the words we're about to consider do not promise you is that you will arrive home unscathed. You will not arrive home unscathed. No one less than Jesus, who's already made the ascent from the Valley of Tears that I talked about last Lord's Day, no one less than Jesus, who has made that ascent, has made it unscathed. Even to this day, he bears in his body the marks of the journey, the long and tortuous journey that he took. But the fact that he is ascended, the fact that he is safe at home in his father's house is because of his father's protection. The things that will happen to you, this is the point of the middle section of the psalm, the things that will happen to you will not prevent you from finishing the journey. That's the certainty of the Lord's protection that I'm speaking of, that the psalmist is speaking of. You will arrive at home because the Lord's protection is certain. Begs the question, why is his protection certain? And I'm going to answer that from two uh, perspectives. The one perspective is the Lord's protection is certain because of who he is. And the other perspective is the Lord's protection is certain because of where he is. So who he is and where he is gives you the certainty of his protection. 
We're going to start with who he is. His protection is certain because he is faithful. His protection is certain is because he is faithful. I don't know if you noticed it as we read the psalm together. It's one of those things that, that tends to just kind of slip over us. But just the amount of times that the personal name of God is used in the psalm. And by the personal name of God, I mean Lord with all those capital letters. Verse 2, the Lord. Verse 5, the Lord. Verse 5 again, the Lord. Verse 7, the Lord. Verse 8, the Lord. Why does the psalmist keep talking about the Lord? Oh, because it's the covenant name that God gave to Israel through his servant Moses as, as he commissioned Moses to go down into Egypt and, and tell the people of Israel that, that the Lord was going to come and take them out of that land. The God of their fathers was going to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was going to bring them home. Give them the land of Canaan as their home. And to, and to impress upon those people in, in Egypt that he was a faithful, covenant-keeping God. He, he shared his personal name, the Lord. I am who I am. You see, it's in the very character of God to be the keeper of his people. It's in the very nature of God to watch over his people. Bound up in the very heart of God is this fierce love that leads him to protect you, to watch over you on your journey so that you will safely arrive in the house where Jesus right now is busy preparing a room for you. The Lord's protection is certain because of who he is and he is faithful. The Lord's protection is certain not only because he is faithful, but also because he is powerful. Trust you noticed that in verse 2. And my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Boom. The psalmist sets the scene. Not only is this God who protects me, the faithful Lord, but he is the almighty creator of heaven and earth. As I thought about that, my mind went to the end of uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And the end of Isaiah chapter 40, Israel in exile, far from home, is complaining about God. And we do that sometimes on the journey, don't we? We complain about God. That God is not faithful. That God is not helping. Prophet says, have you not known, have you not heard? Have you not read your Bible? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And then the payoff of all of this, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. You will faint on the journey. You will experience weakness on the journey. It's a long journey home. And you will experience weakness. Isaiah 40, even young men fall exhausted. But be of good courage, beloved, for not only is the Lord faithful in keeping his promises to you, but the Lord is able to keep his promises to you. 
And he is able because he is the almighty creator of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Your protection is certain because of who the Lord is. He is faithful. He is powerful. And he is watchful. He is ever awake and alert to the dangers that surround you. The psalmist says he watches over Israel or he watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I want you to notice that the psalmist does not say he who watches over you does not slumber. As if the concern is to establish in your mind that God doesn't need to sleep. No, what he wants to establish in your mind is that God will not sleep. We're not going to get into it this afternoon whether or not God needs to sleep. But I would submit to you that even if he needs to sleep, the point of the psalmist is that he will not go to sleep on you. When it comes to watching over you, when it comes to protecting you, the Lord will never, ever fall asleep on you. How different is the Lord from us? Just as young men grow weary and fall exhausted, so young men sometimes fall asleep when they ought to be staying awake. I think of Jesus in the garden. In the hour when his suffering becomes so intense and so severe that he says to a few of his disciples, I need you to stay awake. I need you to watch with me for one hour. If you know the story, you know what happened. They fell asleep. However, the Lord who is your helper, the Lord who is the keeper of his church, will never fall asleep. The Lord's protection is certain because of who He is. He is faithful. He is powerful. He is watchful. That's the first part of the answer to the question, why is His protection certain? There's another perspective, another part of the the answer to the question, why His protection is certain, and that is because of where He is. He is near. Verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. How does does God accomplish this? He grabs hold of you. Psalm 94, 18. The psalmist says, When I thought my foot slips, then your love, O Lord, held me up. And there's this beautiful picture of, of the Lord love, which is to say the Lord himself in his love, holding up the believer whose foot has begun to slip. This is this wonderful picture that that speaks to you of the nearness of the Lord. His protection is certain because he is near. The Lord reaches out to you. The Lord reaches out to me. And in his love, he holds us up when we are falling over. That is how near He is. That that because He is so near, He keeps you from falling away. 
Verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. I don't know how much you think about that. Here's my right hand. There's the Lord. He's as near as the end of my hand. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. That's where the Lord is as you journey through this life. He's right there beside you. That's how near He is. That whole shade thing is used often in the Scriptures of God. In that expression, the shadow of your almighty wings. And it is, a, it is a picture that's just drawn from the chicken coop. It's the mother hen who's so close to her chicks that all she has to do is open her wings and the chicks are in the shadow of her wings. They're within the sphere of her protection. As near as the mother hen is to her chicks, so the Lord is near unto you, beloved. His protection is certain because He is near. So I thought about the nearness of the Lord as your helper. I thought of Jesus preparing His disciples for His departure back home. And I'm in the Gospel of John now. And Jesus is seeking to convince His disciples that His departure home is a good thing for them. And this is what he says to convince them. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. He speaks of the Holy Spirit there. Beloved, the Lord is near and He is far closer to you than you realize. Far closer even than right here at your right hand. For the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart dwells in your body to protect you, to keep you, to be that shade over you so that you can arrive safely home. And how do you experience the Spirit in this way? Well, first of all, you experience the nearness of the Lord through the person of the Holy Spirit. As you open up this book, as you read the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord reveals the nearness of the Lord unto you. He's far closer than you realize. But you also experience His nearness through His church. The Apostle Paul speaks about the unity of the Spirit. And you experience the nearness of the Lord through each other through the steadying hand of a brother. You feel the steadying hand of the Lord. For, through the reassuring word of a sister, you experience the nearness of the Lord. The Lord knows it's not good for anyone to be alone. That's not just a statement about marriage. If it was, the statement wouldn't apply to anyone who's not married. But it's a, it's a communal truth. It's a it's a human reality truth. It's not good for anyone to be alone. And that includes on this journey home. You know, this psalm is an individual psalm. The you is the individual you. It's, it's you, the believer. 
There's only one moment where the psalmist goes beyond the you, the believer, to the you all, the church, when he says, indeed, the Lord watches over Israel. But for the rest, it's you. But as you look around you, you will find others on the journey because the Lord has made helpers fit for you. But, as the hymn puts it, even when other helpers fail and comforts flee, the help of the helpless abides with you. And with His protection, you will make it home because His protection is complete. As you come to the end of the psalm, the full scope of the Lord's protection begins to come into view. It's not surprising given that He is faithful, given that He is powerful, given that He is watchful, given that He is near. It's no surprise that His protection is also complete, but it, it's worthy of mention. It's worthy of emphasis. The psalmist does it. I do it with the psalmist this afternoon. His protection is complete. And what I mean by that is that the Lord will keep your life from all evil. The Lord will keep your life uh, on all occasions, and the Lord will keep your life for all time. And I just briefly, in closing this afternoon, I want to focus on those three things as we see that His protection is complete. First, then, that the Lord uh, protects you from all evil. Uh, Verse uh, 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm, and that's the metaphor, as I established earlier, for spiritual realities, the word harm fits the kind of the physical picture, uh, but the, the metaphor, the spiritual reality behind this is that the harm is the evil. The harm is the evil one who would use, as I mentioned earlier, all sorts of different things to prevent you from making it safely home. And that little word all becomes very, very significant. Not the Lord will keep you from some harm or some evil. The Lord will keep you from all evil. And that's very much the point that Paul is making in Romans chapter 8, which I referred to earlier when he lists all of those things, you know, uh, persecution, distress, famine, nakedness, uh, danger, sword, and then a whole bunch of other things, and then asks the question, the the wonderful question because of the answer. Is there anything among all of these things, these, these evil things, that is able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Evil has many faces and it shows up in many places in our lives. But is there any moment where any of those things are able to keep us from the love of God. And Paul says there's nothing. Triumphantly, he says, there's nothing in all of creation that is able to do that. And what he's doing is picking up the message of the psalmist. And I'm not saying he's intentionally picking up the message of the psalmist, but that is the message of the psalmist. That God will keep you from all evil. That is, that His protection is complete. 
Not only will he keep your life from all evil, he will keep your life on all occasions. Your life is marked by sun and moon. It's marked by day and night. Your life is marked by going out and coming in. Your your life has rhythms to it. Everyone's life has rhythms to it. And the Lord's protection is complete. That is, the Lord's protection matches all the rhythms of life. It matches all the moments of life. It's why I read this psalm at a wedding and then I get asked to read it at a funeral and then I get asked to read it at a birthday party and then I read it with my family before we go on a trip. Because it doesn't matter which occasion. It's a fitting psalm. And it's a reminder that the Lord's protection is complete. He keeps your life from all evil. He keeps your life on all occasions, and he keeps your life for all time. What a wonderful ending to the psalm. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. He covers all time, doesn't it? Now and forevermore. Right now, when you need his help, his help is there. And tomorrow when you need his help, his help is there. And next month when you need his help, his help is there. And next year when you need his help, his help is there. And you, it doesn't matter, you can go into eternity. And his help is there. And I know, assuming that you're no different than I am, I know that sometimes you doubt these things. Sometimes you doubt that the Lord is awake. As a matter of fact, you're quite convinced he has fallen asleep on the job. That he is there some of the time, but he's not there all of the time. And if you would ever doubt that all of these things that I've said, that the psalmist says, are true, you need only do one thing, and that's lift your eyes to Jesus. For while you are still ascending from the valley of tears, Jesus has already ascended. Jesus is home, and it is Jesus who speaks in the first two verses of the psalm. And I want you to get this because it's so important. Jesus has already lived that moment where he lifted up his eyes to the hills and he says, where does my help come from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then Jesus turns to you, his followers, and he starts talking to you. I don't know if you noticed that in the psalm, but there's a transition from verse two to verse three. Verses one and two, the psalmist speaks in the first person. I lift up my eyes. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And then you get to verse three. He will not let your foot slip you see there's a shift and the reason the psalmist makes the shift and the reason Jesus makes the shift is because the goal of the psalmist the goal of the Jesus the the goal of Jesus the goal of the preacher this afternoon my goal is that by the time you get to the end you can go back to the beginning and wherever you are on your journey and whatever those hills may represent to you. You can lift up your eyes to the hills and you can lift up your eyes to Jesus and you can say with confidence, 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to arise as we sing together hymn number 78, all five stanzas. It's a psalm about the Lord's providential care, uh, including also this wonderful image about the wings of the Lord and the shade of the Lord. So let's stand and sing hymn number 78.